Prop 64 was a referendum held in Los Angeles and it was about legalising cannabis for recreational use. Now it was held in 2016, there was about a 58% vote that said yes, and so on the 1st of January 2018, it was legalised. What was the result? Well, let's find out. So the LA Times, which is a major daily newspaper in Los Angeles, they actually endorsed this Prop 64 when it was originally on the ballot. And now five years later, they've had to admit that very little about the proposition is actually working as promised. And let me just read you some uh, examples from this. In fact, let me just show you the front page. The editorial, Californians overwhelmingly supported legalizing marijuana. Why is it such a mess? And these were some of the excerpts. They said five years ago, California voters chose to legalize the adult use of marijuana with a tightly controlled system of safe products, tax sales, and regulated commerce. In recommending Proposition 64 to voters, the uh, LA Times editorial board argued that it's better for public health, law and order, and for society to treat marijuana more like alcohol and less like heroin as a legally regulated product for adults. <laughs> but today, they say, many of the promises of Proposition 64 remain unfulfilled. The black market is as big as ever. Untested, un unregulated cannabis products, including edibles and oils, the high THC products, still flood the market. They say California, which was one of the first states to end prohibition, has become an example of how not to legalize marijuana. Well, <laughs> could it be that legalization just doesn't work full stop? Proposition 64 fulfilled at least part of the proponents' missions. Adult use of marijuana has been decriminalized and normalized. I'm not sure if that's actually something that we should be celebrating. Uh, pot shops, of course, in California were deemed essential businesses and allowed to stay open during the COVID-19 uh, closures. And, and I mean, they say that with a straight face. They say even those in the industry have been surprised by the continued vibrancy of the black market, which is due in part to requirements such as high taxes and local controls. Exactly what we argued in the New Zealand debate. Proposition 64 was also pitched as a cash cow for the state. The initiative imposed taxes on commercial cultivation and sales, and it allowed local governments to layer on their own taxes the hope that it would be bringing $1 billion of state tax revenue every year to pay for after-school programs, job training, drug addiction treatment, environmental cleanup, and other worthy services. And, of course, barely any of those eventuated. In fact, there's no, not even any state-sponsored ads encouraging kids that pot is not good for them. The LA Times says illegal marijuana cultivation has continued to thrive, often to the detriment of the environment. In rugged Northern California coastal areas, illicit growers flatten hillsides and spray pesticides. In other words, it's not a very green option. So that was uh, LA Times admitting that, whoops, perhaps they got it wrong. And then in January, the University of Montreal released a study saying that using cannabis can worsen memory concentration and decision-making. It was published in the journal Addiction and it concluded the impairments may be worse in regular and heavy users. And they analyzed existing cannabis studies involving more than 43,000 people 
and they looked at how the drug affected memory, learning attention, processing speed, language and motor function. And they found that heavy and frequent use was found to hamper decision making, flexible thinking and self-control. And it also found that cannabis use leads to acute cognitive impairments that continue beyond the period of intoxication. And the researchers said cannabis use in youth may consequently lead to reduced educational attainment and in adults to poor work performance and dangerous driving. These consequences may be worse in regular and heavy users. Well, I'm not surprised by those results, didn't really need a research to do it, and you're probably not surprised also. I mean, that's why we call it dope. But then also in January, another article, this time in the American Journal of Psychiatry, which analyzed the relationship between cannabis use and the likelihood of individuals being diagnosed with psychotic orders, such as schizophrenia. Now, the relationship between cannabis and psychosis has seen quite a bit of research. And direct causation is difficult to establish, but some research does show a correlation. Defenders of cannabis often suggest that, well, perhaps people predisposed to cannabis are drawn to cannabis use, but that cannabis use itself does not cause psychosis. So this study looked at groups in 2001 and then again in 2012, a total of more than 79,000 respondents. And they say this, and let me just show you the quote so you can see it for yourself. In addition, Self-reported psychosis was significantly associated with frequent and daily, near-daily cannabis use in the more recent survey, supporting previous findings on a dose-response uh, dose relationship between cannabis use and psychotic disorders. And they then say the increasing perception of cannabis as a harmless substance may deter the general public as well as healthcare providers from recognizing that non-medical cannabis use may play a role in exacerbating the risk for psychotic disorders. Now, one of the arguments was that, well, you know, we should decriminalize because that's going to solve the problems. Here's the interesting thing. All around this time, an article out of Scotland that showed that admissions to psychiatric hospitals among cannabis users had soared 74% since the drug was effectively decriminalized in Scotland six years ago. And it comes after the Scottish police changed the guidance in, in 2016 so that those found possessing cannabis could be issued with a warning rather than face prosecution. And the number of prosecutions halved over the period, but last year a record 1,263 new patients in Scotland sought hospital treatment for psychiatric disorders blamed on cannabis, including schizophrenia. And a previous Public Health Scotland report stated psychiatric admissions for cannabis users doubled between 2014 and 2020. And I want to leave you just with a quote from Professor Jonathan Chick of Castle Craig Hospital, which is a private rehabilitation centre in the UK. And he says, the eye has been taken off the ball with cannabis. We do need to worry about the numbers of young people presenting with psychosis and schizophrenia because of it. We're dealing with both dependence and psychosis. Often, when there has been a second or third psych, uh, psychotic breakdown, there has been hospital or police involvement because of incidents of self-harm or harm to others. These patients have terrifying thoughts. It's a paranoid psychosis where they can't even go into the street without misinterpreting thoroughly innocuous cues as malevolent. It's a horrible experience. 
He says, in some cases, people can use cannabis for 20 years and get by up to that point. But typically, psychosis will occur within the first three to four years. Sometimes the damage is permanent, in which case the treatment for schizophrenia involves living and working in safer environments and medication. You know what, with the experience of uh, California and with the experience of the research and what we're seeing, New Zealand made a great decision when they said no to legalising cannabis. The only people upset were the drug users, the Drug Foundation and the Green Party because New Zealanders realised that legalising would do more harm than good. If we're aiming to go smoke-free, which is a great aspiration, let's aim to go drug-free as well. Mm -hmm.